Okay, so 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, and I am reading from the ESV. Okay, so everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Amen. So, it is, uh, we're ready to be back in one John. Um, so we had a little hiatus for uh, Christmas, but we are carry on as early. So, um, just before we really get into today's sermon, I just, the thing that kind of struck me, struck, struck me, sorry, um, with these verses, was how familiar they seem already um, in the context of what we've been doing or what we've read already in one John. Um, but if, if you flick in your Bible to chapter 2, verses 2 to 6 of one John, and I'll just read them really quickly. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Um, and reading those verses against what we're going to focus on today, you can see that those same themes of Jesus taking away sin, the importance of abiding in Jesus, and, and the subsequent behaviour that a Christian has when they do abide in Jesus, runs through both passages, as well as uh, other parts of the chapter, and again, we'll revisit them as we carry on through the book. Um, and when you, when you just rewind a, a few weeks ago, when we first started doing like, the online service, I think I referenced to tier three, um, ran a video from the Bible Project, um, and um, that video pointed out on these skills of amplification and spiraling um, that John does in this book, um, where he focuses on certain themes like love and light and Christ. And, and, and goes around and around and touches and touches on them again and again through the book. And lots of scholars have tried to maybe understand why it is that John does this um, without maybe necessarily ending up with a perfect answer. Um, why, why am I going on about this? And um, the reason why is because when, when being honest, when we're going these verses, the first thought was what I'm going to say, um, everything's been said already. Um, I mentioned it to Jo, um, and she says for me to copy and paste my previous sermons <laughs> as a good way to say whether anyone's actually been listening. Um, I haven't done that, be assured. Okay, I do have something slightly different to say today. Um, but I think the point of what I'm saying is that actually this revisiting of topics again and again holds probably our first lesson that I'd like us to take away today, which is that. John is absolutely mesmerized by these topics of love, of God the Father, and most importantly of Jesus Christ. He, he just can't get away from it. And he, he can barely get you know, two sentences into the next chapter without mentioning again how much he loves Christ and how what that walk with Christ should look like. 
And this isn't just to undermine if you read the New Testament, Paul's letter to the this, sorry, and Peter's letter to the this. And this is how the apostles did. They were just absolutely in awe and beauty of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. And I think we just have so much to learn from that in terms of almost as though John's just looking at this beautiful diamond from a different angle every time and the light's just hitting it and he's just seeing a different angle, a different part of its beauty. That's how he sees the gospel. And in the same way, let's not get tired of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, let's meditate, let's chew over, let's just see God wherever we can find him. Uh, let's read his scripture. Um, and really, really get a love for God in the way that John demonstrates to us in this letter. So that was my tiny little reflection, and I'll get back onto the verses that we are going to be focusing on today. So, verse 3 the practice of sinning is lawlessness. And this is not a lawless, obviously, we're very aware at the moment of guidelines and rules and. Um, because of the way that we're living at the moment. And this is a lawlessness which is far beyond the John is talking about. It's a lawlessness and a wellness based on our human nature and our natural inclination, sadly, to break God's laws and the standards that He sets for us to live by. Um, in Scripture, we see God literally having to deliver. Uh, the laws that he will, that we should ideally live by to glorify him uh, in the form of the Ten Commandments. So, uh, obviously, part of this, uh, what is the first of the Ten Commandments? Anyone know? Any takers? No? Uh, yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. So, essentially, uh, the first one is you shall have no other gods before me. Um, and, obviously, when, when the Ten Commandments are uh, Handed down as tablets of the Israelites with their golden calves and their wooden poles, and it can seem a million miles away from where we are now in the lives that we live now. But it isn't really. Um, and, and sadly, we have in 2020 lots of gods that we brought before him. Um, many of us can't, myself included, can't get through the day without breaking this first commandment. It's Wake up in the morning, I reach for my phone, I scroll a little bit before the website, so anything else before I've read my Bible. And I'm not alone in that. And most of all, we can idolize ourselves and, and put ourselves before God. And when we do that, very often when we elevate ourselves to the level of God, we can develop our own moral codes, our own laws for us to live by, instead of those that God sets. Um, and we can deceive ourselves to the point that the default position of modern culture, modern society, is actually that there are no rules. And why, why should there be any rules? Because we are our own rules. We are our own gods, basically. And there is no right and wrong. And there is no law. And the only law, the only rule is to worship ourselves, make ourselves happy. And that's the only law. So, I'm a, I'm a Man United fan, mm. um, which 
Posted it in the notes. Okay, cool. So if you go on the HCC, um, the, the notes section, there should be a link um, for you to be able to click on quickly and you can see the advert. So um, hopefully you can find it in the notes section. If not, I'll post it in the WhatsApp group as well. So I'll give you a second if you can find it um, just to watch the advert and then maybe I'll offer my reflections on that. So yeah, let me know when you, when you found it. And, Okay, so like I said, I'm, I'm a big legend. Okay, legend. He is a legend, absolutely. Um, but I, I am going to make it pick your way at that advert. And just to repeat some of the many lines um, that you said, just to make those people who weren't able to watch it. Um, I can't do a very good David Beckham impression. Graham would have been doing some impressions earlier on, um, but I don't know if you've got a Beckham one now. No. So I'll just say them. So, not everyone really backed my choices. I've just tried to make decisions that were right for me. Doing right by yourself was everything I was brought up to be. For me, there is no right or wrong, there is only right by you. Now, I, the advert that I've placed there is kind of a shorter version of the advert, there's a full extended version of the advert, which is really good. It's got some um, you know, people, men particularly, with brilliant examples of how they overcome stereotypes or disabilities to be able to do great things. Of course, I don't have a problem with that, who, who would? Yeah. But, the thought framework, framework sorry, that underlies that advert, um, that there is no right or wrong in practice is entirely, although it sounds nice, it's entirely impractical. Um, that the only thing that matters is what I think is right, and it doesn't matter what you, you think. We can all have our own separate rights or wrongs, that that isn't a way that the world can actually work. Um, I mean, I don't think they would really even agree that that's that he thinks the world can actually work that way. I mean, if I was to, you know, walk into the car down the road now and, and nick his bob instinct off the, off the shelf and walk out, I think he'd think that that was wrong. <laughs> so, in reality, um, deep inside, we know, all of us are Christian or non Christian, whoever, we know that there is a right and wrong. We know there is. A law, but acting like there isn't a right or wrong, and acting like there is no law, acting in lawlessness, as John said, it's a lot more convenient, to be honest. Um, it enables us to avoid the idea um, that somebody might judge us for the rights and wrongs that we do. We definitely don't like other people judging us. So the idea of there being a supreme being who will hold us all accountable um, for the lives that we live and the decisions that we make. There's, there's nothing appealing about that. <laughs> um, if you are your own God and you want to determine things for yourself, 
However, it's not a verse to decide. The Bible has a really clear picture of morality, and it, and it doesn't fit with Bex's idea. <laughs> In a world where um, lawlessness abounds, and I mean, it's hard to look at 2020 and say that's not the case, um, we're in trouble. And lawlessness and rejection of God in the form of sin is that is at the root of the ills that we see in the world around us. That's what the Bible would say. And often we can sometimes we tend to see things upside down a little bit. So we might see the ills and injustices and evil things that we see in the world around us and think that they are the reason that we behave the way that we do. And if we could educate people better and uh, fund the NHS properly and tax the billionaires, then the world would be a better place. Now, I want to be really clear, I don't disagree with these things. In fact, I strongly agree with those things. But, and there is a but, the Bible does not present a lack of education or poor health system or social injustice as the reasons for the broken world that we see. Yeah. The issue is sin. That's right. And that's what needs to be addressed. We're at Christmas time. I've got my dodgy jumper on, just to make sure that everyone remembers. Uh, but it's the perfect time to be reflectful, reflective, and thoughtful of the reason that Jesus appeared. Um, and that's what verse 5 is talking about. Because we, we know that he appeared to take away sin. As John says in his gospel, this time of year is about the time that the word became flesh. And I think when you're interpreting the Bible, interpreting scripture, it's really important to hold verses in the context of the time that they're written and also in the context of the entire book. So if you cast your mind back to um, when we first started looking at this book, and we've been speaking about how this letter was written in response to heresies that were around at the time, and particularly the one of Gnosticism. And just to recap on this heresy, um, Gnosticism is the, was based on the belief that um, flesh, the body, the material world that we see around us is evil. Um, and things that are spiritual that you can't see were good. Um, but John's message quite clearly is that flesh is not evil. And, and the most beautiful thing is that God became physically manifest. Mm. Jesus became physically manifest to take away our sin. And the challenge for us, when there's so many opinions and views flying around, is for us to present Jesus in the way that the Bible presents him, to present the reason why he appeared, like verse 5 says, um, verse 4 says, sorry, um, in a clear way, um, and exactly as the Bible presents it. And it sounds really simple to do this, to explain why Jesus came, 
Um, but I honestly don't think cheap it is. Um, as I mentioned, this year has been a difficult year. Maybe we've had yeah, sort of racial injustice and social inequalities across our society been made bare for everybody to see. And you know, who, who can you know, see the things that we've seen uh, and not be affected? And it's tempting when we see you know, videos like George Floyd or otherwise to say that Jesus was made manifest, he appeared to give the teachings that would deliver the solutions to these problems. But if, if Jesus came only to deliver moral teachings that would make us a better society, and that's all that he did, then there are countless examples of other people that are moral teachers. And what makes him any different to Jainists you know, uh, or, or uh, Confucius or any number of other examples that you can think of, of intelligent, thoughtful human beings that have presented us with good ways to live. Being honest, if, if, if this is the only view of Jesus that we have, there is absolutely no reason for us to be here today. Um, there is no reason for our faith. Um, in fact, you know, there's an atheist, uh, Julian Bettini, um, who has gone to the effort of rewriting the Gospels, but removing all of the miracles and everything about the resurrection just to make this point. Um, in, a, in a different way, sometimes we can be tempted to see people hurting in this world and provide them with a different type of Jesus, a Jesus that helps them to achieve the ideals that the world sets out for us to achieve. We can be tempted to present Jesus as someone that can yeah, help them achieve the life that they wish for, and that Jesus can hold, holds the key to a, a secret knowledge of life, a hidden knowledge of life that can make you richer, happier, or healthier. And Raising your hand and saying, I believe this is the first step of the five step plan to become a better you. And, and comical as that may sound, actually, like I said, it's, it's really tempting to say that sometimes. Um, right from an early age in the culture and society we brought up, we were taught to follow our heart, discover our true selves, as this will bring happiness and joy. When we go back to thinking about one John and Gnosticism. Gnosticism comes from the word gnosis, which means knowledge. And as I touched on already, it downplayed the importance of the body, material world, and ultimately identity. Instead of placing emphasis on what we can learn from ourselves from within. Now, obviously this was you know, nearly 2,000 years ago, this very existed, but can anybody else see how it sounds extremely familiar to the world that we live in today and the perceptions that we have today? Um, you can you know, pop on Facebook or Twitter now and you can see conspiracy theory galore um, abound. And that's rooted in a desire to display hidden knowledge, something that I know that you don't know. Um, and a, a world in which people around us follow a, follow a path to understand the true, their true selves and 
They follow that path, no matter how lawless or muddled or confused it may seem. Uh, in order to turn away from the identities that God has given to us and, uh, and the identity that God has created for us in favour of um, a knowledge of ourselves that is self-determined. Um, I mean, a quick search on Google will tell you some different types James, 37 year old man that believes he is a dog. He wears a human fursuit and he eats from a dog bowl and he is a really vivid picture of somebody that is rejecting God's identity that he's given in favour of internal self-revolution. I'm sure you guys can think of many more. Um, many theologians and philosophers would say that this viewpoint of the world is what troubles our society today. And when we see where this you know, desire to uncover our inner selves and um, leads. It's clear we have to present Jesus as Christians, we have to present Jesus as, as not a stepping stone on that path. He's so much more than that. Following Jesus is not a promise of learning the true something so that you can be prosperous and successful in this life. He's not, you know, the cheat code on Fortnite so that you can get everything that you want. It's not that. The position of a Christian is, and this is the beautiful thing about the gospel, it's not to want to be more like a bookie. It's not to be a super, super bookie. Not at all. It's the opposite, okay? The truth is, as a Christian, I don't want to be more like me. I want to be, verse 3, what Graham preached on, I want to be like him. Amen. That's the destination, to be like Jesus. Not to discover who I am. But to be more like him. That's what we're after. Yeah. And that is why it's so different to what we hear in the world around us outside. And I'm picking these examples so that you can understand the messages that we are subtly being given every day, all the time, that at their heart are not seem, seem uh, benign and seem harmless. Actually, they're in direct opposition to what we believe. And it's really important that we're alert to these things um, and understand what our role as Christians is, is to be like him. Like, like, like Pete preached on a few weeks ago, knowing our identity as children of God and because of the love that he bestowed on us. That's the, and that's the key, that it's a love that is given an identity that is given. It's not something that we can dig away and discover. It's something that God has given to us. And what what beautiful thing that is. You know, at Christmas we're talking about the gift, the greatest gift. It wasn't you know, that, we, 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 that we were digging around uh, thinking, oh, how, how do we fix this same problem? And somebody came across the church and Jesus said, wherever else it might be. No. We weren't even crying to help. God saw us and he gave us Jesus mm-hmm. to take away our sins. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the beauty of Christmas. That's the beauty of gospel. That's the beautiful beauty of the faith that we believe in. Mm-hmm. And that is the crux of it. Yeah? In terms of why, why did Jesus appear? He appeared to take away sin. That's his name. God saves. He saves us from sin. 
not from poor education, uh, not from uh, poor health systems, not from uh, you know, misunderstanding of, um, you know, uh, of our identity that we need to seek out and find. He saves us from sin. One of my favourite parables is Joy to the World. It's, kind of, it's, it's, it's an absolute banger. And I love the verse where I, I mean, it's often when it's silent, sometimes this verse is missed out. But the verse is, no more let sins and sorrows grow, mm. nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And this reflects the promise of Genesis 3. Right, right from the start, the first trip up that we make, God is there in his mercy, promising that he will he will put right the problems that we've done. Um, and in Genesis they have the, the promise of Jesus coming to crush the head of the serpent, coming to get rid of sin. And, and we live in that revelation of what Jesus has done. Um, him coming to take away sin, that's how the blessings flow. And the, to bring that into what I've been talking about, the things that we seek and know are right, and that we've been talking about so much this year, like, like social justice, like treating one another with love, um, no matter what the colour of their skin is or what they look like, these are the blessings that flow from Jesus becoming manifest and conquering sin. It is in that order, conquers and from there the blessings flow. Um, and this is the Jesus that the Gospels and the Apostles obligate us to present when we're talking about the Gospel. We need to make people aware that there is a right and wrong, and although God is just, he sent his Son to save us from sin, so that his kingdom and his blessings can flow initiating the entry of a world that we all yearn for, that we've all been talking about, a world where we are treated, uh, where people are treated the right way. And um, where there is fairness, where there is justice, it comes from Jesus coming to save us from sin first. Um, he, he did not come simply as a moral teacher. He did not appear to be a moral teacher. Um, C.S. Lewis has famous triumph in which he says that you know, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. Um, and he does not leave the option of being simply a moral teacher open to us. And I've always found that such a striking thing um, in its truth. Um, and the truth is that the teachings of Jesus on morality are grounded so deeply in his understanding of himself as God, he cannot dissect the two, and no matter how convenient it may prove, it may be, or however much we might wish to do so. Um, the truth is that God made himself flesh in order to redeem us from our lawlessness and from our sin. 2 Corinthians 5 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He appeared to take away our sins and to rescue us from the judgment that we live our lives in denial of, that we try to run from, so that 
through his grace and through his gifts, we can, rather than running from God and pretending like his Lord doesn't exist, instead we can approach his throne with confidence, um, as Hebrews says. And this knowledge, this is the knowledge that Jesus came to bring. Not, not a fast track to, to worldly success and smelling good like David Beckham, but an undeserved entry into eternal life. Salvation and the faith that brings it is a gift from God, Amen. as Ephesians 2 verse 8 says. As I've touched on already, it's not something that we can discover or master for ourselves. You know, uh, I, I hope to teach we have no secrets. You know, it would, this is not a stepwise way to become a better person. We have is scripture and what God is giving us. And Jesus, I hope that's all that you have in this So when we when we know this, when we have really, really grasped this and got this, um, and recognised and rejoiced in what Jesus has done, it becomes impossible for us to make a practice of sinning and to keep sinning. And this is what verse 6 is saying. Not that we don't make mistakes, of course we do, but that the knowledge of Jesus and what he has done makes us different. We abide in him. We live in him, acting differently to the world that we see around us. And it's the practice of sin that is lawlessness. Not grace, not living in his grace, that's not lawlessness. We can be tempted as Christians sometimes to say that we have his grace, and so it doesn't matter. But that couldn't be further from the truth, as, as Paul famously refutes in Romans 6. And Jesus himself says that you know, he came not to take away the law, but to fulfill the law. Um, and through what Jesus has done, we inherit eternal life and a redemption that we don't deserve. And the, the, the problem we're trying to shoehorn Jesus into moral teaching or, or key to realizing our true selves um, is that it, it does the gospel at this service. We, we shouldn't try to make ourselves or Christ look the same as the world around us. We're supposed to look different. And so we shouldn't try and twist what Jesus has done to sell it, if you will, to the people around us. It's not supposed to look the same. It's supposed to look different. We are supposed to look different. And looking like we know him, like we've seen him, means that our lives are lived at a different standard to the world that we see around us. Not in an attempt to fulfill, to appease the law, but actually in a reflection what he has done for us and out of love that he first showed for us makes us live differently not in a vain attempt to be perfect uh, and like I said of course we can trip up um, but let's at the same time not water down what it is to live Christian life um, and as we the um, Martin Jones gives him one of his favorites. Probably one of the greatest, but useful guy. 
most of the time. Uh, this is one of his yeah, maybe maybe most useful things that he's done to <laughs> among among many. And it is introducing to a, a podcast by my apologize some brilliant sounds. One of them he says the, the, the Christian journey is like um, climbing a mountain. Uh, and Jesus' work takes us right from the foot of the mountain to near the top. Um, and when we're, we have very little left to do to climb the mountain. But as we climb the mountain, we may stumble when we sin. I think we can. But it doesn't mean that we've fallen right away back to the bottom of the mountain again. Um, we just get up and keep going because he's done the work. Um, Matthew 5, 48 says, You therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That, that's the standard. If his righteousness is not being displayed in us, we have neither seen or known him. Let's not fall into the world, trap of the world around us, of diluting his laws and diluting his standards, and living as though there is no judge, because there is a judge. He is God. We will give account of our lives to him one day. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, in mentioning you know, the Christian life and trying to live um, the perfect life against the standards that Jesus um, sets for us, I'm not primarily asking you to try a little bit harder. You know, top fit today. Try harder at not lying. I'm not. I'm not primarily asking you to do that. I think what I'm asking you to do is when we know that the motivation is love, what I'm asking you to do is understand better what Jesus has done for us. And from that will sprout a love that will make it more difficult for you to sin. Um, and that, that, that is the key. Understanding the gospel and understanding what he has done. Um, and from that comes the love that changes behavior. Um, so finally, I want to ask you, are you ready to confront the reality that there is a God who is loving but also supremely holy and just? A God, like I said, that holds us all to account against his holy standard and his laws. And most importantly, do you recognize that you cannot meet those standards by yourself? And know that he made a son, his son, appear to take away our sins so that you could enter into a relationship with him. The only requirement is to understand your imperfection, repent of your sins, and believe in Jesus Christ, the true Jesus Christ, the divine Jesus Christ, the Son of God that the Bible presents to us, not a moral teacher, not um, a clever secret to become a better you, but the Son of God. If you don't know him today, I pray that you, today can be the day that you understand the reason why Jesus appeared. You can place your faith in him and rest safe in the knowledge that he has come to take away your sins and live and abide with you. And for those of us that have given our lives to Jesus, um, I know sometimes we can wonder if he abides in us.
We can know that He abides in us. We can know that we have known Him and seen Him by by sin no longer being a practice in our lives. Um, Let's pray for a a greater grasp, a greater understanding of the gospel that we can live a life that honors Him. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. We thank you for coming to save us from our sin. Help us not to distort who you are and what you have done, but to make you more palatable to the world around us. Help us to humbly recognise who we are, who humanity is, sorry, in light of your perfection and holiness, and to recognise our need for you and you alone. And help us to come to a humble heart and repent of our sins and live and live a new life for you.